This podcast is brought to you by Mapper Forward's new Patreon community, the Global Coffee Think Tank. Check the show notes or head to patreon.com forward slash Mapper Forward to find out how you can become a member today. Welcome back to the Daily Coffee Pro by Map It Forward, friends. This is episode three of our five-part series with Dr. Shahan Yeretsian. And we are asking a very intriguing question today in our podcast. Shahan, how does science define good coffee? Yes. So science is all about measurement. You know, it's all about objectivity mm-hmm. or in a, if you wanted to frame it as a more psychological concept, intersubjectivity, something that uh, opinions is shared by many people, but we call okay. it in science objective data. So we, we want to base everything on science, but we don't claim that science has an answer to everything. So, um, so the question is now, how far can science go in defining what is good quality? And, um, and so we have, of course, an approach for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps it is not going all the way to the final point that we have a full definition of good quality, mm-hmm. but we go a long way. Now, from a, as, just as an opening remark, there are really two different ways uh, that we see in our, around, in our world of defining quality. One is what I call the expert-driven definition. Mm-hmm. There are, there's a community, mainly, of course, the specialty coffee community and the Q-grader community that define themselves as expert mm-hmm. and they define what good quality is. Mm-hmm. And they have some kind of education. So the expert defines but they are not really the consumer. So of course, for themselves, they define it, but they actually suggest that their definition is valid for the, for the general public. But in reality, it's not. So there is this expert-driven definition of quality, which they generalize, but without really good reason, because they never looked at the larger community. They don't know actually what the people are. And then it can become quite unpleasant the way the discussions then go, you know, because it's an expert to express his opinion. And then he hits a population that doesn't share the same opinion. Mm-hmm. And of course, they are not expert. They are not going to contradict the expert. So it's sometimes no, no discussion going on. But so this is the expert-driven approach that has not been validated, in my opinion, with consumer. And so this expert-driven opinion of high quality, which is especially coffee movement in a way, you know, if you simplify, it's only valid for this community, you know. But there's always this notion that what they define as quality is a valid concept for a bigger community, which is probably or most surely not the case. Then there's the scientific approach to quality where you basically ask people what mm-hmm. you like. And then you will realize that there are a lot of segments. There are different types of people that like different types of coffees. So then you you realize that there is no good coffee per se for the whole community. There are actually different types of people. And this has to do with why they consume coffee, in which situation you consume coffee, and where they are in their experience paths, I call it. You know? So somebody who starts to consume coffee as a young consumer he, he likes coffee as instant coffee with milk and sugar, 
because that's what he likes when he studies and stays long nights up, and that's what he wants. He doesn't want a, a small espresso. He wants a big mug with milk, and that's the way often people start their their mm-hmm. path into the coffee experience. And then they have some experience, some situations where they get into coffee, they like another, and they start to to develop their to ev- evolve in their way they like coffee. And after a while, they, they will like a they will like perhaps a Starbucks coffee, and they will start to like espresso coffee. They will basically evolve, and um, and the espresso lovers at the end often, you know, in this avenue of this development, they might become a specialty coffee person who then really loves the espresso coffee without sugar and milk. But this is. Uh, you can call it, if you want to call it in a positive way, it's the end point of a long evolution of personal evolution mm. in the education. And some people might never get that there, you know, even if you are a specialty people, you might never get to this high specialty coffee. But so <clears throat> I think, and this is the consumer driven approach where you go to the consumer and you ask them, which coffee do you like? Which coffee would you like to drink? And then you will realize that these people are actually, they like coffee that is not fresh, that is has been resting a while because it loses a little bit of aggressivity. Coffee that stays a little bit longer becomes more rounder, more pleasant, more equilibrated. And, um, and this is a different segment, but it is actually the majority of the people. Mm-hmm. The majority of the people like that. And we did actually, when I, start, when I joined the specialty coffee movement, I was, of course, like you always ask, what is specialty coffee? And one of the elements that I discovered or at least realized is um, that freshness is is a big word, you know, even if it's not expressed, but freshly roasted, freshly extracted and freshly consumed. Whatever stays for long is not good. So freshness is a fundamental element of specialty coffee. And, um, and so we did research on freshness because when then you ask people what is fresh, they couldn't describe it in the cup because for me, if you describe, if you do it this, this, this way, then your coffee is fresh. But then how can you measure fresh in the cup? That was mm-hmm. then the question we asked, you know, because then, so there must be difference in the cup that makes a fresh coffee different from an old. So we started to develop what we call freshness marker in the cup so that you can measure in the cup the freshness, not only uh, because you, you did this and this, your coffee must be fresh, so it must be good. So we, we worked a lot on freshness and we started to create this notion that freshness is so important. Anything that is not fresh is not good. And, um, and so even people who had coffee that was a little bit old, they start to believe that coffee is not good. And, but they are the majority of the coffee in the, in the, mm. in the world. So we started to, to realize that we are actually and then not only that, people, when they go into the coffee shop, they start to open, they look at the packs, the roast date, you know, so, and they, they check, oh, this is already three weeks. This is only, and they actually <laughs> select the coffee. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh, this is two months, you know, and then, mm-hmm. uh, and then you feel like they, they look even now at the date of roast. So, and, and from a pure subjective experience, there's a lot of good coffee that is not necessarily mm-hmm. fresh in the sense that it's three months old. So we started to develop with big companies, actually with Meinl. Um, we, we started to explore why people like coffee that is not fresh in the sense that it is 
And we start to create a category which we call the golden age of coffee. So we have the specialty age and you have the golden age because coffee evolved from the specialty age. <laughs> we have some really uh, exclusive flavor profiles, sometimes a very strong acidity into a, a phase where it is much more balanced, <laughs> perhaps not so dominating flavor profiles, but which people actually enjoy, majority of people enjoy. So we try to, we, de we developed the concept of the golden age of coffee that we actually would like to write even the booklet. We have all, everything is ready to, sh to show that coffee is not necessarily bad. It is just different. And a lot of people might like it. So we try to, um, and the reality of the consumer is that they actually will not prefer the specialty over a golden age coffee. Yeah, and, not surprising. Um, and so in all of this, the research with the consumer is very important in order to define the 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 quality and here i'd like to even if it's not important but there is of course today you have a industry uh, and you have the leader in the capsule system you know which is swiss swiss company mm -hmm. and um, and they are developing capsules and they are doing it based on consumer research right. now the question is are they specialty mm -hmm. because they pay attention to the consumer or are they no more specialty and and you, particularly in the specialty movement, there are people who who basically believe that because they are so consumer focused, they are no more specialty, because they deliver coffee for a long lot of people at a reasonable good quality. So um, I think that these these two movements are approaching each other. Specialty also is realizing that consumer have to have a bigger word, a bigger uh, bigger say in what quality is, and it should move from a expert-driven quality definition to a consumer-driven, but the expert must then understand, so the co especially coffee people must be able, when a consumer requires a specific profile, how to process their coffee which post-harvest processing, which roasting, which grinding, which extraction is able to deliver. So the specialty coffee person will become the expert on coffee, but not to translate his personal opinion into quality and deliver that, but his knowledge should serve in order to be able to understand the consumer and master every single step of transformation to the cup. So that's what I see the specialty coffee people become. People who understand coffee, understand what every step is doing to the coffee with a specific objective of a consumer and respecting the consumer and, um, and to be consistent in that. So the coffee, especially coffee people have to master coffee and listen to the consumer. That's what I believe and not translate their own opinion and force that on the consumer. So usually when we think about science, we think about test tubes and we think about lab coats and we think about experiments. But what it sounds to me like you're saying is we should be empowering specialty coffee business owners and baristas and roasters to conduct their own experiments by going to consumers and asking the question so that they can gather their own data do the analysis and decide what their customers define as good coffee and then yes. go and create that from there. Yes. And to understand how roasting, grinding, extraction 
right. affects the coffee in order to achieve a specific profile desire. So you have to understand every single step of transformation mm -hmm. with the goal to achieve a target profile. So it is really, you have to master it, but not with a, with a very one-dimensional approach. How do I get my best personal coffee? But how do I achieve a profile which is a little bit more acidic or a bit more round, a little bit, you know, whatever, yep. or which marries very well with milk? So you have to understand this transformation step with a specific objective that is a consumer pull objective. And then you can still do your own coffee that is your, your perfect coffee. That is, of course, absolutely what you have to do. Because your own, you are your own consumer, so you know what you want to grow. Right. You do your coffee. But not everybody is like me or like you. So we have to listen much more to consumer. And as a specialty coffee, we have to master the transformation towards a given target profile. And especially understand, like we were saying, what that target profile is. Yes. And as you were saying, how to get there. And this is, for me, a fundamental thing that has changed about our industry from, let's say, 20 or 30 years ago. The barrier to entry has not changed, but yeah. the objectives of what we're looking to achieve when we're hitting our success markers, whether it be profitability or good coffee or uh, growth plans or understanding our consumers, all of these targets have shifted to become much more difficult to achieve, even though the barrier to entry into our industry has yes. not changed. Yes, exactly. You could actually um, use the project I use for water Mm -hmm. uh, also for this, you know, it's not exactly, but you yeah. have this measure, aim and treat. Yeah, measure means that. you measure what your raw material is. You have to understand with what you start. Yep. This is your, your water. Aim is what is your consumer? Yep. And then treat is how do I go from the raw material that I have to where I want to be, which is my consumer. And there are different spots. So, yep. so basically the special carbon was the same. It has to measure its raw material. It has to know where it goes and has to understand how to bridge the gap from where the coffee is, which is the roasting, the grinding, the extraction in simple words. And if somebody is able to do that, that's for me a real master in the specialty coffee movement. Yeah, brilliant. What a great place to end this episode. And in our next episode, we're going to talk about bridging the gap between objectivity and subjectivity in coffee. This is going to be a great conversation. We'll see you in the next episode, everybody. Peace, love and peanut butter. Have an amazing rest of your day. Thanks for tuning in, folks. The best way that you can support this podcast is to join us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash map it forward. There, you can become a part of our community, the Global Coffee Think Tank, for as little as $3 a month. That's a total of $36 a year. We have a lot of big ideas for this community, so I really hope that you'll join in. This podcast is produced by Maple Forward, and the song you're currently listening to is called Run 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 off of my album Laundry After Midnight, which is produced by Evolutionary Theory. You can check the show notes for links. For more content from Map It Forward, consider joining our mailing list at mapitforward.org forward slash mailing list.